Hey guys. Hello. Hello. I'm good. Uh, gosh, I can't see anything. Could we bring lights up a little, maybe? Uh, my name's Walt, and I'm pretty excited to be here. I haven't done this for probably like 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, most of you guys probably don't even know who I am. Um, I'm the guy who started Big House like 25 so years ago. Hey, thank you. And uh, it was actually me and Lydia up here on the keyboard tonight, her dad, Enrique from Nazareth. And uh, Big House actually used to be called um, Varsity Life. I know, kind of a lame name. And, uh, and so him and I got together and like, we should just do our youth groups together. And we did that. And so uh, we started like having our Wednesday night together and it Big house just took off and it got bigger and bigger. In fact, I've got a couple of pictures to actually prove that I was there 25 years ago or so. Um, are they up there? Pics, pictures of real life. Aww. They coming? Oh. So that was my first family group, one of them, and uh, I can't remember those guys' names. Mandy, Scott, that was a long time ago. All right, give me the next one. That was in our house. We used to, uh, we used to do on caravan and ski trips, go to Casa Bonita in Denver. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. <laughs> Elliot. So they had this cool little thing, and uh, that's me on the upper right there being kind of weird. So we used to do the old-time photo every time. That was fun, Casa Bonita. You guys should go to Casa Bonita. Caravan should take you to Casa Bonita one time. All right, next one. Okay, that's a big house. We used to have it over in the, uh, they call it the big house, but it's actually the youth house over there. And I look at that picture, and I'm like, I actually think there's probably some of your parents in that, in that picture right there. So there's Enrique, my friend, and Lydia's dad. So that was in the big house, one of the first times we ever got together. Keep going, pictures. Uh, that's me and my youngest son. I used to use him as a prop, apparently, on stage, and that was, I don't even remember what we were doing, but that was kind of fun. I had hair back then. So, um, anyway, I wanted to talk about Advent, and uh, we want to talk about Advent this whole series coming up. And it's really kind of a cool because it, it gives us time to actually think about our faith. Advent actually means the coming, and it was a tradition started by 4th century Christians um, to help them uh, understand and focus on the coming of Christ, uh, the pa- the, to have the patience uh, for waiting for Christ's return, and to focus really on their own faith. And so um, that's what it was all about, and it's kind of grown throughout the many centuries and years, and so we continue that tradition. It's really kind of cool. Um, the Israelites, before Jesus was born, actually looked forward to that. In fact, I want to look at a, a passage, and we're going to get our Bibles out, so I want to take time to, like, hey, let's get Bibles out for everybody, if they're here for staff. And one thing I really like about what Big House does now is, like, Focuses help you guys focus on actually looking in the Bible and looking at the Word. So that's really cool. I really appreciate staff and Big House these days actually doing that. Um, so as they're getting out, 
we're going to focus really on John 14. Uh, but this first passage is in Isaiah, and you really don't have to look at that because I'll just read it. Uh, it's Isaiah 7, 13 through 14. And Isaiah said, uh, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was in the book of Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus was actually born, Isaiah prophesied that that was going to happen. And so part of what the Israelites, God's chosen people, were doing before Jesus was born was looking to that. They were looking for the Messiah to come, which is pretty exciting. And um, that's what, in the sense, we are doing now. We're looking back. We are looking back to Jesus being born as the, as the Jewish Israelites. We're looking forward to Jesus being born. And so in a lot of ways, our faith was very similar. Um, we are now actually looking for what's called the second coming of Christ. The Bible says Jesus is actually come, coming back in physical form again. Uh, you don't have to look this up, but Revelation 1-7 says, Look, he's coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. Everyone will see him. So there'll be a time someday... It could happen tomorrow. It may happen 100,000 years from now. Jesus is actually going to come back physically, and everybody will know it. That's kind of cool. And so that's something that we, as Christians, are also looking forward to. And when we think about Advent, we're doing that too. We're looking forward to that second coming. And so Advent is time of, like, learning how to wait, learning how to have patience, learning how to focus our faith. And so my question is, have you ever, like, anticipated or wanted something to come so bad or you just couldn't wait for it? Um, obviously, we do Advent during Christmas. And I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas. I mean, the Christmases that we had growing up were actually pretty fun. I remember one where I actually got a brand-new bike. I grew up in a big family, eight kids, and actually a brand-new bike was pretty, pretty awesome. So um, I remember that time of just couldn't wait for Christmas. And that's kind of what Advent's about now, is like we're sitting here and three weeks away from Christmas, and, and even as a little kid, that anticipation for it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I can remember four times in my adult life, I think, where I have anticipated something that much and that excited for something to ask. I was waiting for that experience to happen. Number one was getting married. Um, I got married to the, this cute little dark-haired girl. She sits back there right now. Um, her name is Jenny. She's been around Big House for a long time. We got married about 40 years ago. Um, we got married pretty young when we were 19 years old, and um, I couldn't wait for that day. We were so excited to get married and spend our life together. That's pretty cool. And the idea of marriage is really kind of a cool thing that God set up for us, the idea of like engagement and courting and, and marriage someday and waiting for certain things about marriage and then waiting for that day of marriage. That, that's kind of like what Advent's about. It's like this anticipation and waiting for it and the coolness of actually ha it happening that day. Um, and then I've got three kids. And uh, all three of the births of those three kids were days that I just, I just couldn't wait for. They were so cool. They were um, the three probably most special days of my life when uh, all three of our kids were born. 
And so that was pretty cool. Um, so waiting, Advent, teaches us, helps us to put things really in perspective. Uh, it helps us look into our relationship and to actually love Jesus uh, a little bit more. As believers today, we, um, we really don't even have to wait for the second coming. I mean, we talk about it a lot and we look forward to that, but as a believer, you really don't have to wait for the second coming because we already have Jesus' words and the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that for a second. So this is when I want you to open up your Bibles if you got them, and we're going to go to John 14. And John is one of the uh, four Gospels. John was uh, one of the disciples that actually spent time with Jesus and was with him when he was here on earth. And uh, his writings are actually pretty cool because the Bible says John and Jesus had a pretty special relationship. There were three disciples that Jesus really liked and hung out with a little bit more than the other ones, Peter, James, and John. And so John knew Jesus a very special way. And if you really ever want to like dig into some of the words of Jesus, go to John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. That whole section, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 of John, is all Jesus talking. It's Jesus talking to his disciples right after and during the Last Supper. So there's some really cool um, messages in that section. So we want to look at John 14, the last half of it. And um, so I'm going to start at verse 15. It says this, and Jesus, this is Jesus talking. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So you get the message that Jesus is kind of saying, like, guys, the Father's in me. I will be in you. This is pretty cool. And then this is something really interesting right here that I love about the Bible because these things just throw me for a loop. Then Judas, this is not Judas Iscariot. This, Judas Iscariot was the one that betrayed Jesus. This is the other Judas that was with the disciples. There were two of them. And Judas goes, um, I can imagine this happening. Uh, Jesus got a question. He says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Judas is going, uh, why don't you just show yourself in a big hologram, you know, for the whole world to see, and we don't have to worry about all this stuff. Just do it that way. I mean, Judas is like asking that question, kind of. And Jesus goes, Judas, dude, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and, he, and, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He, do, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, I don't want to do it that way. That's not about faith. I don't want to like just proclaim myself to the whole world so they can all see me right now. I want 
to work within the hearts of people. That's what Jesus, why he was different. And that's why he said to us, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live with. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world, the prince of this world is coming. Anybody know who the prince of this world is? Nope, nope. Prince of this world. Jesus was the prince of God's kingdom. Prince of the world was Satan. And the prince of this world is coming. He who has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and I do not exactly, and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now and let us leave. So Jesus, in that whole section, four times, four times says, if you love me, obey me. And then... He says, for the prince of this world is coming. I remember a time in my life when our ministry was starting to grow. We were affecting, affecting Cedar Falls in a really cool way. My kids were all growing up. Um, they were all starting to have influence in their own way, in their own ministries. Um, all of my kids are very gifted and talented, and God uses them in really cool ways. Uh, and we were starting to influence as a family. And I remember one night, and I think I've only told Jenny this story before, but I had probably the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. I'm dreaming one night, and, it's, and, and me and my family are in a car. We're going down this road on this journey to where God wants us to go. And in this dream, the car all of a sudden hits this mucky muddy, all this stuff that starts bogging the car down. And we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere. The car is just like stuck. And I knew in my, in my dream, it was the prince of this world. The prince of this world. And Satan was like wanting my family. And the prince of this world was like going to do whatever he could to stop us. And this world, the sin and all the crap of this world was going to entangle us and stop us. And right at that moment in my dream, I said, get behind me, Satan. And I woke up and woke up with chills and my, and my hair was standing all up and I was freezing and it was weird. And I told Jenny about it and I said, that dream is a symbol of like what's happening with our family and what's happening with all of us in our ministry and what God wants to do is like he wants our hearts but the world in its, all of its muck and all of its sin is going to drag us down and um, that's what that dream was about and um, how it affected me personally that day um, and so I want us to continue to look at what what Jesus said in John 14 where he said if you love me obey me and what that really means and so what it means to me is, let's look at the Bible itself. Um, Peter said, you don't have to look this passage up. Let's, 
Maybe I do have it. I can't remember if I had it up. It's 2 Peter 1, 20. Uh, Peter said this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So Peter is saying, there isn't anything in this book. There isn't anything in this book that wasn't um, inspired by God. Jesus, like, basically wrote this whole thing, which is pretty cool. Seniors especially, you're going to go into this world and you're going to go to college and you're going to go to different places and they're going to say this book is just a book of myth. It's a book of stories. It was made up by guys over 1,500 years and they threw it all together. That's not true. This is a book that God fully intended to have these people write and for us to read. And that's what's cool about this book is it's God talking to us. And so... uh, In Exodus, as we think about the commands that are in this book, I think about the book itself, and I think back to Exodus, and that's where there's these uh, things called commandments. Anybody know what they're talking about? In the book of Exodus, there's commandments called, I already just said it, it's the Ten Commandments, and it's the story of Moses. And that's a good place to start about understanding who Jesus is. Um, and there's an interesting passage right before, before God introduces the Ten Commandments to Moses. He says this to him. To Moses, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession. And so God, in the Old Testament, is using some of the same terminology that Jesus used in the New Testament. And that's what's so cool about the Bible itself. is like when you read it, you see all these ties between the same God of the Old Testament and the same God of the New Testament talking about loving him. And then, and then it says, and Jesus talked about being carried along by the Holy Spirit. And he said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. If you ever want to like understand a little bit more about what the commands are in the Bible, um, go to Exodus, read the Ten Commandments, then go to like Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is full of all these cool things that Jesus talked about, of how, you know, do's and don'ts and how to live and cool, and cool commands. And so what I'm saying is as far as um, loving Jesus, and we don't have time to go through all that tonight, but get in this book and look at it and look what he said um, and follow those Ideas and follow those do's and, and don'ts, and you will start to understand what being in the Spirit is. Jesus said it himself, and to love Jesus, you need to work to obey, learn those commands, obey those commands. Uh, when you obey those commands, you will be in his word, and when you're doing that, you have a better understanding of what carried by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's a very similar to understanding a playbook for a football team. Some of you guys maybe are in sports. Your coach will give you a playbook. And so to understand that coach and his philosophy, you've got to understand that playbook. Um, When that coach talks to you and he inspires you and tells you the strategy of what your team's going to be, you understand who he is and you understand his spirit. That's pretty similar to what we're talking about with this book. 
He's like, if you don't get in this thing and understand God's playbook, you're not going to stand, understand Jesus' heart. And so he's asking you, get in this thing. And you don't you know, necessarily have to read it yourself. Keep coming to Big House. Have other friends. Go to Bible study. Read this thing. Read these words that Jesus is talking about. And then you get pretty excited about understanding his spirit. Does this mean, if you do this, does this mean that you will stop sinning? No. Does this mean that life will suddenly have less pain? No. Does this mean that bad things won't happen? No, it doesn't. In fact, Jesus said himself, in this world you will have trouble. Even if you're following me, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome this world. It's like Jesus said, I'm controlling the car. I can get through that muck. Take heart and follow me and understand what I have to say and what my commands are. So I want to share a real quick story with you, like what this looks like. And I can only share what I've experienced personally myself. When I really felt like I was in the Holy Spirit, understanding what the Bible said and, and following Jesus, I really felt like God spoke to me and spoke to me in a lot of different ways. And I could tell you 20 to 30 different stories where I felt like God said, Walt, I want you to do this. One that is really kind of cool is uh, a caravan story. This was way back in early 2000s, and um, God spoke to me in, in the way that he does, and he said, I want you to go to New York City for caravan. Now, I don't know if caravan ever goes to New York City anymore. You guys ever do that? Okay. They had never gone to New York City, and this was 2003. And if you guys understand history, the 9-11 happened in 2001. So God was like saying, hey, Walt, I want you to take care of it in New York City. I'm like, that is crazy. I even had people in this church say, Walt, that's crazy. It's not safe. You shouldn't do it. But when I have learned and found that when the Spirit's talking to me, he keeps saying it, keeps saying it, keeps saying it. And so I couldn't get rid of that thought. And um, so I finally said, all right. Let me check it out. So I went to New York City by myself. I went out there for like five days. I met a couple of people that I actually met a chaplain with the FBI of New York City. He said, don't worry, it's going to be safe. You could bring kids out here. He directed me to this place in Long Island, actually Brooklyn, which is a small campus. And it was called Long Island University. So I went to visit that campus and they had a perfect campus for our group to stay. It was gated community. It was inside Brooklyn, not far from a subway. And the guy was like, this would be great for what you're going to do. I said to him, I might bring, I might bring like 400 people. And he goes, yeah, right. If you bring 400 people, I will give you this, this week for $100 a person if you bring 400 people. But if you don't, it's like 175. I was like, well, all right. So I brought 413 people to New York City and for 100 bucks a week, that was really cheap. We got to spend that week in, in New York City. And I'll never forget, we had eight bus loads. We come over that horizon and um, actually come over uh, the hill and see New York City. I can remember the kids kind of freaking out. Like, this is New York City. We're actually going there. And they were all nervous. But by the end of the week, they were jumping on subways. They were, like, confident, going all over the city, like really proud and, and, and happy that we had gone to New York City. And it was one of the best trips that we had ever taken. Ruth, were you on that one? Uh, and so what I'm saying is God will challenge you. 
He'll like make you think outside of the box. He'll like make you do things that you never even dreamed of. He'll ask you to do things that you never even dreamed of because that's his spirit. Advent means the coming. It means waiting and learning and growing and most of all, loving. Loving Jesus. And going beyond following him. When Jesus said follow him, that meant a whole lot more than it does today. For you guys, follow is like, I'm going to click and follow that person. Jesus actually said, I want you to lose your life for me. I want you to love me. And what I'm challenging you guys to do is take your relationship with Jesus during this Advent time. Take it beyond just following him. Take it to a place where you're in love with Jesus. And Jesus said, if you do that, he's going to talk to you. He's going to inspire you. He's going to work through his spirit to help you do things you never even dreamed of, you never even thought of. That's what's so cool about this relationship with Jesus. I can't, I can't tell you. And I wish I could tell you story after story about times where I've said, okay, Jesus, I'll give in, I'll do it. And awesome things have happened. So just take this. I'm going to ask the band to come up and get ready to sing. And we're going to pray. But I want you guys to think about this most of all. That the God of the universe, the God of the universe wants to talk to your heart. The God of the universe wants to lead you. He wants to lead you to places you've never even thought of, you've never even dreamed of. And it's about loving him back. So that's what I want you to talk about when we get to maybe family group tonight is like, you ever thought about being in love with Jesus? It's a special place. And when you're there, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than that. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us your words in this Bible. Thank you for inspiring the people in this room with the gifts and talents that you've given all of them, our band, our leaders from Big House. Thank you for inspiring these teenagers with the gifts and talents you've given them and for being here and wanting to learn. Father, I would ask that you would um, help all of us to understand you better. Help us to understand the commands you give us in this book. Help us to realize we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, we're not going to do it right all the time. But help us to yearn for that. Help us to want to be better. Help us to love you the way you want us to be loved, the way you want to be loved. Um, we thank you. And just help us in this time of, of worship to focus on you and your heart and what that means in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.